Really, last week we started talking on the theme of this incredible letter, which is Paul wants to encourage you and me in the gospel, the good news. And he says, I'm not ashamed of it. And one of the reasons he wasn't ashamed, remember that the power of God is at work exploding every single person who believes in Jesus into salvation. And then he said, and I'm so excited because, you know, if that's not enough, the righteousness of God is revealed. God's goodness, just just in people who trust Jesus, this is the way, you see. In fact, Christianity was called the way. And then he had this statement last week, his third thing, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I see God's wrath. Wait a minute. That one, you got to explain to me. And indeed, that's what he's going to do starting today. He starts to explain why God's indignation, maybe that's a better word, God's anger is a reason why he's not ashamed of the gospel. What? Yeah, well, you see this whole system that y'all out there are promoting. The world is about, you know, acting like things are improving and getting better. It just makes me say what trouble we're in. I'm not ashamed of the actual good news, the way to God. That's what he starts to say. So today we're talking about that. We're talking about indignation, about God not happy, and how we think about that. How do we tell God's angry? Is it revealed? Say, well, I guess, I mean, if you talk about things like massive disasters, tsunamis and earthquakes and whatnot, and, and how the bad things happen, that maybe that's a sign of the anger of God. That's not what Paul means. I mean, I get that if he was angry, it would be against sort of bad people and bad things. Is God angry? God's a God of love, right? Well, how do I think about these things? How do I connect them through the gospel? So I'm glad we're here this morning that we're going to understand and, and, and get pushed into the wonder of the love of God for us and the joy and the gift that the good news declares to our hearts this morning that our only hope is in Jesus and not in anything of ourselves. So you want to present, and I want you to see with Paul as he presents it, the inexcusable harm that people do. And we're going to look at how God's anger is actually revealed. How do we know? How do we see it? It's not exactly what you might think. And, and then we want to think about deserved judgment. That's what we're doing this morning and hopefully pushing us towards a unapologetic, yeah, the love of God declared to you and I in Christ. Okay, so buckle up. Here we're starting. And we're starting actually, actually I think uh, if I can, let's start with inexcusable harm inexcusable harm that's been done so in verse 18 he says this the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that's people not men versus women who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth okay so god is indignant that's what that you say wrath and you think oh fire and brimstone but really it just means sort of i'm not happy i've got a furrow in my brow God is indignant against ungodliness, the ungodliness of people. And Paul says it's revealed. You can see it. 
So table that for a minute, how we know. We'll get there. And take this last phrase. People, by their unrighteousness, are suppressing the truth. What's the truth? Well, there is a God. He's the creator, right? And that's what he says right away. That's what the truth is. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. So, so this is really interesting and really important for you and I to put into our knowledge basket of what Paul is saying from the Holy Spirit to you and me is that people know there's a God. Like It's not like, oh, I didn't know there was a God. No, people know, he says. Well, not everything, certainly not everything, but what can be known, God's made known. What has what, what God made known? Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. This is Paul's argument, right? At least part of who God is is plain to see and God has shown it and he's shown his invisible attributes by which he means his eternal power and the the existence of God whether or not you accept it the reality is that God exists and he has shown that puts some burden on you says Paul anybody he's not talking Christians who read the Bible he's not saying oh you know what you need to do is go read from Genesis to Revelation and get to know who God is he's saying if you have eyes If you have a mind, it's staring you in the face as you look around the existence of a creator, then you're kind of liable, sort of, if you have no response. The problem with unrighteousness is that it suppresses the truth about who God is, that he exists, that he is righteous. I mean, that's why he's bringing up God being ticked. I know that's colloquial. He has indignation. He's not pleased. His displeasure being revealed about something particular. But but you have to see the main harm. Why? Why they're without excuse. (sighs) What do you think the problem of the world is? What do you think the difficulty is? And and I think, well, the difficulty is people sin. If they could just clean it up. But Paul's going another direction. You've got to see it as we start this morning. The harm people have done is they're not acknowledging who God is. They refuse to acknowledge who God actually is. This is a big problem. If you won't acknowledge who God is, then some things happen. And our world doesn't really acknowledge who God is. This is harm. When you ignore reality and there's no excuse for it, you don't have any response to God. He's not talking about obedience. He's not talking about getting to know what the Ten Commandments are. He's not talking about any of that. He's just saying people as a whole don't actually acknowledge who God is. So, 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 
God's displeasure is going to be revealed. But first he gives a little bit more about what, what this is. He says, although they knew God, so people are without excuse. I'm talking people in general. We're not talking about, can we name 12 people we know who deny God? He's talking about mankind. They know some things about God. There's a creator, he says. They didn't honor him as God. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So so here's what he means, right? They know there's a God. It's in their face. No proclamation needed. Eyes and brain. They didn't even honor him. They didn't even acknowledge him. They ignored him. Their foolish hearts turned away. They went off and called themselves smart. Instead, they're fools. They ignore the incredible glory of God and they act like God was a regular person. You know, like Egypt and you got the snake man God. Or, 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 or like the Greek gods. You know the Greek gods, right? I, I read about them and you read the, the, the pieces and you got Zeus and you got Hera and you've got the Hermes and you got the different people. They're, 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 they're like a soap opera. They're like human characters with superpowers. They've got a whole story of why Hercules is made. It's because Zeus was hanging out with some other mortal woman and, and then therefore had Hercules who's half a god and then over here. And, and you have story after story of, and then they're explaining certain things, but they're also like seeing gods a certain way. How offensive to the God who made you, says Paul. incredible being our God is who breathed us out of nothing and made us. And, and, and you can open your eyes and see the wonder of design and, and, and how things should be. And there's beauty and there's amazement and there's wonder in looking at the mountains and the trees. And you don't... Uh, what? Turning away from that and ignoring Him. And I was going to put a prop on the stage today, but we won't. But a chair... And you go up and you say, oh, majestic recliner, be God, I will worship you. What? You'd think it was a joke, but people are serious. They, they worship themselves because they made the chair. That, that's Paul's whole argument about idolatry, right? It, it's not that there aren't other beings out there. It's that we're choosing not to acknowledge God. Stupid and people over and over, starting in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve wanted to be their own deciders of right and wrong. You can be like God. All the way through all the cultures and all the earth, at the base, inside, denying who God is, even though it's in their face, in every breath, and every human being, and every tree, and every mountain who bears the mark of a creator God. Look and see that God exists. He doesn't have to say he's the Christian God. He's, Paul's not making that argument. He's just saying deity. That's the inexcusable harm, rejecting God. And, and, and so what's important to me is that we actually get revealed God's displeasure. How do we know? So, so I, that's pretty easy for people to see. I don't get too much argument you wouldn't have over, hey, you know, people are idolaters, and that's bad. 
How do I know that God's not happy? This is Paul's argument, not mine. This is the Bible saying you can tell God's not happy. He's indignant. His displeasure is revealed. How do we know? Paul tells us, and then he gives an example. Because of this harm, God did act to show us that he's not happy. Okay? Therefore, when it says, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the, and served the creator rather the creature sorry rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen what, what did God do well because they turned and they didn't acknowledge him it says God gave them up God showed something Their desires were wrong. They're off making their own gods out of dirt and doing utterly foolish things. And so God just let them be. They're not knowing God. They're bowing to themselves and it's littered all over. You look and you see cultures throughout history. Pagan worship of the world rather than God. Or in the hundreds of Hindu gods. or, Or in the totem pole. Or whatever worship of human power that we do of the dollar or of superheroes and esteemed people. It's gross, it's twisted, and it continues. And this is where it starts to get real. Because Paul's pulling no punches, you know. Humanity's twisted. God has allowed it because of this underlying refusal to just be thankful that you exist, that there's a creator God who made you and has loved you and is blessed forever. Because God gave them up means he allowed what was in their hearts to be expressed so you can see it. Their desires, their lusts to be seen as revealing that he was not happy with them. He he didn't change it. He didn't restrain it. He didn't cause it not to happen. So this is actually really important because what I think often is, you know what? The fact that you did that is why God's unhappy. The fact that you are sinning is what makes God ticked at you. And it's not true. The fact of the sin being expressed is is God allowing people to see that that's no way that he can accept you. The problem was sooner than that. Here's wrath. God gave them up. Literally, he gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity. The kindness was to restrain their unnaturalness of people. And wrath is to let them go. The lusts of hearts are not checked and bears fruit, evil fruit. This is the wrath of God. This is God's anger that the evil fruit is out there. Okay, you with me so far? This is like, boy, I'm sure glad I'm here for this Sunday. So amazing to talk about the wrath of God. Yeah, but it's it's the truth, right? This is Paul's looking out and saying, this is what God's revealed to me and the argument I want to make with you is that um, people deny God. 
And Paul says the visible indignation of God is this fruit, this sinful stuff that people do. He's not stopping the unnatural use of creation, the, the, the streams of dead fish from man's pollution, the strangled turtles in plastic, the eagle shells that are too thin because we've hurt them. In his example, Paul's example, it's, it's directed at the human heart. So he gives a particular example. It's this one. It's, it's tender in our culture, but, but this is the example. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. What? Yeah, this is what he's saying, right? His eyes show him God's indignation because he can see the unnatural actions of people. His argument is from natural use. Evidence of dishonorable passions. Women in relations with women, men in relations with men. Homosexual activity is what he's pointing to. It's not an individual problem. I'm saying, oh, it's so bad that this person's doing that. He's saying, look at the evidence that God's not happy. He made people a certain way. And you can see they're not doing it according to how they were created. That's his argument. And people say, well, you know, Dax, I, I have same-sex attraction, but, but as long as you don't act on it, you're okay, right? Well, from this passage, I don't care. That, 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 that's a whole issue to go into. But the, what Paul is saying is your heart and care for someone else when it gets expressed in a way that's unnatural is evidence that God's not happy with how things are going in this stream of life that humanity's living in. He's talking about the desire for sexuality not as created. Men copulating with men. Women copulating with women. But, 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 but Dax, what's a man? No, no, no. We're not talking gender. There's plenty of problems there to talk about. But, but, but let me say this. He's talking about chromosomal sex. Someone's a man or woman in their chromosomal biological person. And when they do stuff, like, like and how are children made naturally? How does life go naturally? You know it. Man and a woman over here. That's how God made it. And, and, and then we exchange that with, no, this stuff's happening over here. I, I, just, I just, come on, guys, at least acknowledge. It's not how you were made. You can say, I want to change how I was made. I want to do all this stuff to change it. That's, that's okay. I get it. But what Paul's argument is, is you were made a certain way, but you're not acting it out. And that's not like, why God's mad? That's evidence he's mad. He's given people desires that aren't natural desires as things were created. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's evidence to your eyes, right? That something's not right in the world, our world, 
we have desires and God lets us live in them. He doesn't change our desires. He says, well, that's just how it was made. Yeah, that's the problem, right? You're, you're kind of made with this desire in you. I'm, I'm not blaming you for it. I'm saying your evidence that God's saying this whole pathway is not the pathway that he's happy with because he made you a different way. Not an individual judgment, again, a proof of God being indignant at humanity and humanity not honoring them, and he gave them up. I mean, you can see it in the Old Testament too, right? You have this whole passage in Genesis 18 where it's like God basically says to Abraham, I'm going I'm to blow up Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't know what they've done. It doesn't say. Abraham's like, why? Because I'm not happy they're not righteous. Why? Well, what about if there's a hundred people that are righteous and the rest aren't? Would you still belong? What? It goes through this whole rigmarole to have God. And then in chapter, not till chapter 19, you get the example of what God's talking about as the two angels come into the city. And then the city gathers around where they go to stay and say, send them out. We want to like do things to them. It's evidence displaying that God says, I'm already not happy. With all of you. Okay. That's that's the same idea that Jude says. This is Jude 7. He says that just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursue unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. An example. Like, you guys are okay. I'm just giving you an example. No, the example is I, I'm not happy. Okay, the existence of these things, visible behaviors coming from desires that are unnatural, they are not the best for you. You couple that with a full knowledge of an omnipotent, all-knowing God. So you say, hey, I have these desires that Paul says are not natural, but then I've got this omnipotent, all-knowing God, and the fact that he's allowing these things to be, that's, that's the issue. He has acted to show you that the pathway that the world is on is not helpful. Why? All these examples of desire becoming actuality. Sin. Things not working as they should. And she may just go, whoa, there must be another way. <laughs> yeah, it should, huh? Let's keep going. So verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. can't tell you how many sermons I listen to. They go through that whole incredibly horrible list and they say, okay, let's focus in on disobedience to parents. No, you realize he's just looking at all these fruits of all these people. And it's so bad. It's not a small group. This is a huge group of a debased mind. People doing what ought not be done all over. These horrible people. 
They're filled with all manner of ungoodness. I see it, you know, they're the evidence of displeasure that it even happens. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not, this this is not the issue. If I could just control myself, God would be happy. If I could just stop doing these things, God would be happy. No, the fact that you're doing it is because he's unhappy. Because then you have these desires in your heart. And they're getting carried out without restraint. It's too late. Desires are given over as a result of us not acknowledging the Creator's humanity. Uh, so, so, so you say, well, uh, yeah, you know, when I get jaundice, jaundice is when your skin turns yellow. And I get jaundice. I don't say, oh, if I could only stop the jaundice, I'd be better. If the, re- the reality is I've got pancreatic cancer. What's the problem? The pancreatic cancer is the problem. The jaundice is the symptom. This is what he's saying. Look at all these people. They're so horrible. That's the symptom of a cancer eating away. Of people not really acknowledging and living in the truth that there's a God. That That's what he's saying. Or as saying in other words, it's Frederick Schiller. He's a historian. He says the history of the world is the judgment of the world. I love that actually. You start going back and doing history and you see all the stories of all the ways that people have just been can I say it? Screw-ups. So, so you look at someone who's gluttonous and they're eating too much or envious, wishing that they had what other people's have or desiring to escape reality with drugs or loving money and accumulating too much stuff or using more resources than they need or who always talk about how good they are or who take down their parents who raised them or who act out in unnatural sexuality, any of it, any of it, comes from wrong desire. And you hear Paul say, you should echo this word, there's no excuse. Because otherwise I'd be saying, well, God just made me this way. No, it's God has given me over to my own evil. The desires of my heart get seen and it's proof. God says, I don't approve of this stuff. The whole thing, you guys, the system. I'm angry at all this wrongness. The effect of it just shows my displeasure because I'm a God of beauty and rightness and everything working perfectly. And you don't want that. You don't want my way. You want your own. This indictment of humanity, you know. Okay, so we've come this far. We've gotten strong like Paul's gotten strong. And and so there's a couple ways we respond. A couple ways you respond. One way is this way. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Okay, the, the phrase I have for this response, this is a response to saying, yeah, look at the message, here's the message. They know now you've heard God's righteous decree. Those who practice such things deserve to die. They, they, they double down. That's what we do. 
We double down. They know God, they know the decree in their heart, they know these things are unnatural. Do do they repent? Are they heartbroken? No. No, no, no. It's not really all that bad, you know. (laughs) Everybody does these things. We're all a bit unnatural. Who am I to call this really wrong? As long as people also do some good, or they show, you know, a little restraint, or, you know, they're better than other people, let's get the curve out. I mean, that's what Paul's saying in verse 32, right? About doubling down. Approval to those who practice them. It is horrible, he says, to go against God's good decree. All over our society, though, not just in America, all over the world, people call evil good and good evil, depending upon what tribe you're in, depending upon your community and what standards you think are important. And you can get the other people caught in some big problem that's over there, but you ignore your problems over here. Don't deny reality. God doesn't approve of unnatural things. You can't tell God how he made you is wrong. But we do. Who are you? Where will you stop? Where do you agree, yes, this is wrong? In Sodom, you know, uh, that God, God destroyed the whole city. Not everybody participated. A lot of people just watched. They accepted it and they all died. I mean, at its depth, right? You get, you get examples. You can bring examples through history of really horrible wrongs. Say, is there a slippery slope to get there? Hitler, right? Exterminating millions of Jewish people. I mean, I, this is a picture. That's a picture of hair. When you get almost eight tons of hair, from people that you've killed. Something's wrong. And yet the whole country kind of went along with him. I, I, you say, I, I stand against that. That is evil. Good. Then why are you lowering it with everything else? Where's the line? Right? If, if somebody's desires lead to this, at what point, going back, are the desires wrong? And Paul says all the way back to all of their hearts. We cannot approve. We don't lower God's decree. And yet that's what this world is doing. That's why we take the Sermon on the Mount and we lower the things. And he says, anger is, is murder, Jesus says. And he says, look at looking at someone just a little less is adultery. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus is making a point. No. He's saying, this is where it goes. This is the outcome. This is why it's all going to come out. How bad we are in our flesh, in ourselves. Okay, so, 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 so we're here. And let's just take that sense. The, the, therefore, judgment's declared. If you're tracking so far, then, then one response is to double down. So I'm not doing that. I'm declaring judgment is the other real option, right? Yes, they're evil. Did you see that sin list? It is horrible. 
And the desires of their hearts all stemming from God's displeasure that they won't even acknowledge Him and bow the knee to Him. Say, therefore, those evil people, they're horrible. I'm so glad of my purity. My rightness, my natural living. You you might agree with this judging. It vindicates us, you know. That they, 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 I've used they the whole time. They have no excuse. They get what they get, child molesters, evildoers, killers of children, immoral people, sexually perverted people. They deserve it. And on the one hand, condemn them. I didn't do that. I am righteous. And this is the declared judgment. We think we're agreeing with God that he's so good to do and, and, and do those things. The trouble is what? You know the trouble, right? Because you probably read ahead in Romans. We'll just do one verse. The next verse. We'll pick it up next week. But this is the next verse. Therefore you, not they, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Oh no. Uh, Don't just accept this this morning. We'll look at it next week. But Paul says, you know that feeling? That feeling that people are desiring the wrong thing, that God is judging them? They're judged for their unnaturalness, their unnatural sexuality. They're judged for their unnatural desires. Well, you also are judged for judging. You've got the same warped heart. What do you think that reveals about God's indignation? I don't have that text. Okay, let me use me for a minute. Pastoral confession time. I've got an unnatural desire for sugar. Think that's dumb? No, my body was made a certain way, wasn't it? There's a natural way my body processes things like sugar, sucrose, fructose, dextrose. It's a chemical thing. My body was made to handle certain parameters. And you know what I do all the time? I go way over it. Not a big sin, you know. Except it's not natural. So then for you get stuff, it's all over our society. It's called prediabetes. Why do you have prediabetes? Because you're not eating. If you just ate the right foods, you wouldn't have it. 80, 90% of people. If you were actually acting in a natural way that you were made to be, you, you, would, you would be in these parameters. And none of us are. Not in every way. You say, well, that's not my struggle. Or you can say, I can discipline myself. Yeah, the trouble's not the discipline. I can make myself not eat sugar for a year. What's my problem? I still want it. Why do I have the desire for anything that God doesn't want for me? Someone who longs to be married and God hasn't married them, allowed them to have a spouse. Why are they not content and joyful? God hasn't given you that. You should rejoice in what God has given you. It says something happens to you and you're like, I don't like it, but it's from God. You're saying you don't like what your good and perfect God is giving you? We do this all over. This is our flesh. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about everybody. We aren't right. And, 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 and this starts to be a problem 
I have desires for things I can't stop, and I try and use discipline to stop it for a while, but we are not Aristotelian. I do not think that your habits will shape your heart. If I just stop it long enough, I'll stop desiring it. Like, you can do that. The problem is God gave you in your flesh over because you don't really acknowledge him. And all the laws that we give ourselves, and they're good laws, and all the ways that we try to be disciplined and say, yes, this is good, I make a rule, and I will follow it, and it will produce good fruit for me. The problem is, underneath it is my desire, and it didn't change a whit. I have a desire for accumulation, so I don't steward the environment well. Clear-cut Brazilian force. Yeah, well, I don't do any of that, man. I... Yeah, you're eating your steak, that was made for you by other people, that, 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 that you have desires for what you think you ought to have and they're not right. I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll, I'll, I'll make it all right. No, 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 no. The problem is your desire's wrong and you can't even hardly change it. You can act right. These are just examples. I'm not going after this stuff. I'm just saying it's too late. The problem is we are in a huge pile of goo. That. And the problem is that I think that frosting this evil cake of this world is going to make it somehow a good cake. That somehow moral goodness appeases God or does a single thing. No, the problem is your heart. And so that even the goodness that you do isn't really good because your desires aren't, aren't really in it. And, and, and that's what Paul is establishing today. And we've got to stop. So, so we're, we're going to stop there today. Now, established, right, with me. We are not humanity who we should be. Our desires show out, not all of us in every badness, but each of us unnatural, not how we were created. And that means forcing the right behavior isn't the way back. Because the problem is at the heart level of desires, and even the desires are just evidence of wrongness. What we need is something new. We haven't touched it yet. I've just been in the old. It's not in our text yet. This is about the visible indignation of God. It's visible towards the world in how we don't live rightly because God is a God of beauty and order and rightness. And this is why Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel because the non-gospel approach doesn't work and actually is evidenced by the wrath and anger of God because people aren't doing... You can't find the perfect man following God. God, except for the God who came down as a man and died for my sin and rose from the dead and declares to you, you are new if you trust him. Just by trusting. He's done it. It's finished. It worked. Right? So, so receiving forgiveness for all my evil, all my wrongness, which I continue to stumble in. I give it all up, you know, but my heart, this flesh, continues to need restraining, sure. But I trust, I trust in this message. This is 1 John 2. He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He has done it. 
the declaration that we're not natural, that we don't do it. It gets all of us in the flesh. It gets every person. And our only hope is that Jesus Christ has paid for it all. And it worked. That's where we need to go. That's why we're unashamed. And that's why we declare Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Lord, thanks that you make it black and white for us. Thanks that you don't leave us wondering. Lord, I don't like your wrath. I want to escape it by my effort and by my action and my old flesh to just get away and show you I'm really good. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to trust in Jesus. We receive his body and blood for us. We trust his work for us. We believe the promise that we're made new in him. Oh, Lord, help us put our eggs in that basket, in our hearts, with our desires, that we might be made new. It's in your precious name we pray.